and thankfully the Zoom added that, so <laughs> we all know when we're recording. Welcome, Hedgehog Zone fans, to another edition of the THC Chats feature that we do here on the podcast. Before we introduce our amazing guest tonight, let me go ahead and introduce uh, my two team members that I will have on the show today. First, uh, let's go to our very newest team member, and this is actually the first podcast that we're introducing her as part of our team. Uh, you've seen her and heard her in the live shows. You've seen her artwork, and we're super excited to have her on the show. Welcome to the team, Grace. We're really glad to have you on. Hi, thanks. Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. Awesome. And and what a perfect show for you to be on too, right? I just realized that your first episode, and hey, it's an episode about artwork. So, <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is very, this is a very a very fun episode today. Yeah, well, I'm glad things worked out that way. Things work out for a reason, like people say. So awesome. And next, uh, let's go introduce uh, Pedro Peter. Uh, I I hope we don't see any other personalities here because we're in THG chats mode. But <laughs> welcome, Peter. <laughs> Hi, Pedro here, and I'm trying to keep it with Pedro uh, for the most time. Don't worry, Gustavo will not appear in this uh, section in this episode today. <laughs> awesome. Hey, glad, glad to hear that. Uh, and uh, no reason for him to, <laughs> to, to be on, on these uh, episodes too. But yeah, welcome to you too to THD Chats. Uh, Houston wasn't able to uh, join us today too, but he'll probably be on on a future one because he, he does really enjoy being on these as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our special guest uh, tonight. Uh, if you've read Sonic the Hedgehog comic books back in the Archie days and now with the IDW comics, there's a really good chance that you've seen some of his artwork and he's even done some writing uh, for some uh, in the past as well. Uh, so let's go ahead then and introduce Tracy Yardley to the Hedgehog Zone. Welcome, Tracy. How's it going, man? It's going very well. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're really happy to have you on. It's, it's really awesome to be able to talk to people who, uh, you know, do different types of work and things that we actually are reading or, you know, playing games, just anything that most people know of. It's, it's really awesome to be able to speak with you here tonight. So let's go ahead and, and get started with this. And I want to get started first hearing how did you get uh, inspired to become an artist? Like walk us through like your childhood years, like uh, when you first made, or when you made that choice of like, you know what, I think I want to do artwork. How was that like? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I've always wanted to be a cartoonist of some sort. You know, I've always enjoyed cartoons and animation. Uh, you know, when I was as a little child, I used to watch, um, Saturday morning cartoons, I watched Transformers and uh, Speed Racer and, you know, um, Thundercats and all those kinds of things that was on TV at the time when I was little. And um, I really stayed, I always made a point to see those shows. When I was little, I also had asthma a lot. So I was inside a lot more than a lot of my brothers, you know, I do. A lot of times I was cooped up in the house because I couldn't go out to play. So that probably helped, you know, uh, steer me toward doing a lot more you know, artwork and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed drawing ever since I was little. Um, my oldest brother is about nine years older than me and he had an Atari 2600 <laughs> and he was like in high school when I was, you know, just a little bitty kid. So him and his friends would stay up and play video games late at night and I'd sit and watch him play pitfall and 
berserk and all those kinds of things and uh i enjoyed looking at the artwork on the the game manuals and the game boxes and stuff and then of course in, in years on you know with mario brothers and the other games that would come out for the nintendo and things you know i would look at the art of pac-man or or mario and i would trace uh, and copy the the artwork uh from the uh the manuals and stuff you know and uh, also you know like you know, I, of course i had coloring books and things you know, mickey mouse and various things and i don't know if you uh if they still even make this like carbon paper you know carbon tracing mm-hmm. paper i would no. i would oftentimes sit with the carbon paper on top of a, a you know a page from a coloring book or something and, and copy over the, the characters which i think was a kind of a good help for training my hand you know to to uh, to get that muscle memory to to make smooth lines and, and, and that kind of thing so uh i even tell kids you know like if you know you're just starting out tracing is not an um it's not a bad thing necessarily as a as a as a learning tool in the beginning you got to move on from that of course <laughs> um but yeah i mean i've always enjoyed that stuff ever since i was a little boy and um all through middle school i would take you know, and through high school i would take every art class that was available and uh yeah it was pretty pretty apparent early on and that's the only thing that i was like particularly good at and that i enjoyed doing and that i wanted to do so i've always wanted to be involved in cartoons or animation in some way and uh like specifically i used to i used to read a lot of the comics in newspapers um you know garfield or calvin and Hobbes or uh there's lots of them um foxtrot was a good one that i used to enjoy um and i thought that would be a, a fun thing to do is do syndicated newspaper comic strips but that's incredibly difficult to do and it's probably not such a thing anymore i don't know if newspapers are uh you know, they don't really, they're not as, as prevalent as they were. So there's probably not as much of a market for um, comic strip syndication. So, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's very astronomically difficult to actually get a job doing that. Um, Cause there's about three major syndicates in America and they take maybe two or three new strips every year and they get thousands of submissions every year. So um, I just kind of, it's also, it's really difficult to write a gag every day. <laughs> um, a good friend of mine, uh, I'll, I'll get a plug in for him, uh, Stuart Jip uh, at Stupacabra on Twitter. He has a, a daily comic strip called Mary Hell, which I really enjoy. And it's awesome because he does a, you know, a funny gag every day. And it's really, really hard to do. I, I can't, I never could quite get the hang of, I don't have the sense of humor to do a good gag every day. So I kind of steered more toward, uh, you know, comic books and just the art side of things. So um, to continue my rant in here, um, I did I did end up going to the Savannah College of Art and Design um, right after high school. I, I began that in uh, 1997. Yeah, the end of 1997. I graduated in 2001, and uh, it was a good experience. I was very fortunate to get a lot of... Uh, money from the state of Illinois where I'm from to go to school out of state doesn't make a lot of sense but uh, I, I only had to pay for about one year of the school as about what it turned out to be you know on average I paid about one year of the tuition which at the time was about 25 grand you know for, for room and board and all that and that's that's like it's like double that or more now I, I don't know how anybody can afford that school so I generally always tell people that if you can afford it then that's great if you can't don't sweat it I mean you don't have to have an art degree to do what we do, um, you know, if you can 
if you can do the work and have you know the quality artwork on the pages and do it on time, that's all anybody cares about. Uh, editors and, and things like that. It doesn't matter what education you have, as long as you have the skill and you have the ability to do work on a deadline and get it done. That's that's all that matters. So you can teach yourself that stuff on your own time, but it's probably a lot more difficult. You know, there are advantages to going to art school. Um, working in a, a focused environment um, with other people, um, specifically like at SCAD, you know, there are people from all around the country and around, all around the globe that went there. So you meet a lot of different people and, you know, new ways of thinking and looking at your art and new techniques and things. And SCAD, of course, has you know, expensive computer equipment and things that would be difficult and expensive to buy on your own that you can learn. And, um, you know, yeah, just a lot of different, you know, foundation classes and things, which you can get at probably any art uh, institution, but those are good, uh, good to have, you know, a good background uh, to round out your art um, understanding and skill and all that stuff, Uh, you know, drawing and life drawing and three-dimensional design, color theory, all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, there's a lot of benefits to going to an art school and you can go to SCAD. You don't have to have a degree. Again, if you can afford to go there for a couple of years and just take the classes that you really want to take, that's, that's, that's a, that's an option too. You don't have to get a degree. It's nice. You know, it's nice to be able to say that I have a degree, a uh, bachelor of fine arts. And the only thing that it's worth though, the only thing that it's worth is to be able to go on to get a master's degree someday and teach. That's really the only reason to have a bachelor in fine arts, at least in comics anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if I were to be an architect or perhaps work in some sort of graphic design firm or something, they might want a degree. You know, obviously an architect needs a degree. But generally speaking, yeah, you don't need that. In most fields of art, specifically cartooning, it's kind of ridiculous, really. But um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the base. That's that's the gist of it. I mean, I've always wanted to do cartoons and I just I made it my priority and I, I focused on that through my younger years. I mean, I didn't you know, I, I wasted plenty of time playing video games and things and, and <laughs> watching movies and stuff. But I also, you know, I worked very hard at my art and uh, I would also make the the argument that playing video games is is still you know an inspiration it's an investment yeah it's like yeah yeah, yeah an inspiration. Exactly. it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 you know it helps you know it's storytelling and it's uh, there's a lot of visual inspiration there yeah there's all kinds of stuff that i, I enjoy and frankly i enjoy video games more than i do comics you know oh wow um, I, I i i'm certainly more geared toward drawing comics but i like as a as a hobby as a pastime i i I would rather play a game than read a comic generally speaking um (laughs) i just enjoy that visual uh the input and the you know the uh being part of it you know helping your your character get to the goal and stuff (laughs) (laughs) so i mean like i said like i said ever since i was little video games have been a pretty big part of uh, my my inspiration of what i do you know with pac-man and mario brothers and you know, my brother got the, the Genesis in 1991 for Christmas, and I ended up playing a lot more than he ever did. And that's when I fell in love with uh, Sonic and really just played the heck out of those games all through middle and high school. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, Sonic has been a big part of my life, and uh, I was very, very, very fortunate to to get into that. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean all that was really great and and i feel less guilty now of actually tracing when i was growing up and i try to draw <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i don't no, trace no. anymore but uh but yeah i mean it, i i could see how that definitely helped and that definitely i think helped me a lot too when when i try to draw which you know i, I 
<laughs> I don't draw nearly as, as good as most people out there, but it's definitely something that I think is, is a good uh, tool for that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that that's really all really interesting. And, and I think a lot of people do uh, worry a little bit, right, about having to go to art school and all that, because I know a lot of people that are really into art and you know that's one of the things right it's like oh i have to get into the school and mm-hmm. and all that but you know i think it makes sense right it's one of those things where if, if you have the talent and you can actually draw well then art school helps you kind of develop more skills right but if it's already mm-hmm. in you then you can already do something with that right like yeah, you know, absolutely. yeah and these days you know there's youtube and there's all sorts of tutorials you can find online and there's amazon where you can buy any kind of art textbook that you might ever need uh you know of course some of that stuff costs money but you can get to find a lot of things for free on the internet free resources um and even probably online art courses too that you could take that would help you um learn some of those skills uh that you wouldn't necessarily have to take a you know a four thousand or eight thousand dollar art school course for you know so there are ways to do it and I, and I I will say the other really big benefit of art school that you couldn't get elsewhere, certainly not easily, is the, the networking with other, um, right. you know, um, prospective artists, people that are going to grow into the, hopefully going to go into the industry someday. Uh, you know, I always name drop um, partly because she's super cool and it makes me look cool, uh, but also because I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the help that we've gotten from her, uh, Sophie Campbell, who works with IDW currently on Ninja Turtles. But uh, she was a good friend of ours at SCAD. So we, we knew her back then. And she got the job um, with Tokyo Pop doing a book called, um, um, oh, darn it. It's, it's kind of flown my mind right now. It was a, it was a zombie book. And uh, she got that. And then um, because she was doing that, she told her editor at Tokyo Pop, you know, to go look at what we were doing. Uh, this was right after SCAD. So, you know, you make those connections and people help each other get jobs, you know. So we got the job doing um, writing shotgun with Tokyo Pop. And um, we did two volumes of that. That was in 06 and 08. And then um, the other story, which I will segue into how I got into Sonic. Um, again, because I knew people from SCAD, you know, and I, I, you know, my friend Nate Bowden, who I worked with on writing shotgun, you know, we would go to comic book conventions, which is a good way to, you know, make connections and, and find people in the industry and stuff like that and get your work out there and seen, you know, we would take our little uh, comics that we made in our spare time after school, after SCAD for a couple of years, I just kind of goofed around and did various odd jobs. I worked at a gas station, uh, um, food market in downtown Savannah for a couple of years. And at night, you know, I would do that during the day. I would come home at night and I'd sit up all night and draw comic books. The Nate and Steve was the books that we produced. We did three 24 page black and white comics that we had, you know, printed up locally, just little eight and a half by 11 folded over ash can books that we took to comic book shows. And we, we sold them there for a couple bucks, not really to make profit just to just, but just to have our work out there. Right. So that was what I had to prove that I could do the work. You know, that's what got us the work with Tokyo pop because we had a little, you know, um, ramshackle website that i made with dreamweaver <laughs> back in like 03 <laughs> or whatever and uh you know, but we had the physical books that we could hand to someone and say look this is what we did you know this is how we this is our comics you know that had the story the artwork and the word balloons you can read the thing and that was that so um 
that was good, you know, to have those physical books to be able to hand to people. Um, so we took those to shows like MegaCon and, and Heroes Con and various ones up and down the eastern seaboard here that we could get to easily. And it was at MegaCon in Orlando, Florida, I think in, I want to say, 04, or it might have been 05, I don't recall. But anyway, um, I ran into a friend of mine from SCAD. Uh, again, I've named dropping because I'm grateful for his help in my career. Mm-hmm. His name is Marlon Shoup. He's a guy that I knew from SCAD and he was walking by at the show. You know, he was just kind of hanging around and he was walked by my table while I was sketching some doodles in my sketchbook of Sonic and the uh, Archie characters. And he was like, oh, that's really good. I know the editor on Sonic the Hedgehog and they're looking for new people right now. Wow. So that was at the time. That was at the time that Mike Pellerito had just gotten the, the job as the Sonic editor. And they were just about to start up a, uh, the adaption of Sonic X. Uh, Sonic X book that Archie put out for 40 issues. That specifically was what they were looking for new artists for. So I, you know, he gave me his contact and I, I, I emailed Mike, sent him some samples and he liked what I was doing. So he uh, asked me for some more stuff and he gave me some two um, five page scripts, which were also sample scripts from Ian as he was just getting the job. And, um, Again, Mike liked what I was doing. He offered me to do issue 160 and 161. Or was it? Uh, yeah, I think I did those two. And then I did issues five and six of Sonic X. And then uh, he liked you know, everything that I was doing. So he said, hey, you want to keep on doing this? And I said, yes, of course. And I did it. <laughs> I've been doing it for like 15 years now. So, um, you know, and I always tell people, you know, what the key to the, how that worked was I had the work to show ahead of time. You know, I did the prep right. with the three books that we produced ourselves in our own time because no one's going to pay you to do the work until you can prove you can do it. And then, you know, we got out there where opportunities would be available. You know, we put ourselves out to comic book shows and stuff like that, you know, and we had friends that we had, you know, made in the business. And so when, when those opportunities arose, we had the work ready to show. So, you know, it's a, it's part luck, part preparation. Um, and yeah, I, I, I definitely was, you know, where I needed to be at the right time, you know, the hand of God put me there and the rest is history. So that's, uh, that's the gist of it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I mean, what I like about this, this episode so far is that you're pretty much going through all the questions that I had in mind and you're answering perfectly, mm-hmm. sure. even in the order yeah. that I had it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I've, I've, a lot of these kind of interviews I've done, I've told this same kind of story a lot of times. So I have it down pretty fast. <laughs> but, uh... Right. No, I get it. I get it. And, and as I'm going, okay, so you had this opportunity to work with Sonic. So just a little bit of uh, of a hypothetical uh, situation. If you were able to to work with another big franchise, will you still interested, or would you like to keep it within within the Sonic because it had gave you so much at this point? Oh well, I mean that's tough to say. I mean, I, I have a project that I'm working on currently. It's a mini series that I've been working on for like the last year, picking at it, and it's not gone great partly because of the covid thing it's kind of messed up all the scheduling and partly because of the company um that's doing that owns the ip 
they don't really do comics, but uh, you know, it's been an interesting thing, and I'm I'm glad to have a new different project that I can say that I've done. Uh, you know, and that that might lead to other things too, because um, the 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 property is, is owned by NBC Universal and DreamWorks, and so they've got other things that they're theoretically might do in the future. But I mean, I'd be happy to do that. Or I mean, I IDW has all kinds of different um, um, properties that they right. put out books for. I mean, I'd be I'd love to do like pencils or inks or both on like Ninja Turtles or maybe the transformers i mean that'd be awesome but i don't know how anybody draws <laughs> transformers they're so complicated i don't know if i could do that um and i love drawing robots but that's that's a little bit much um yeah but to, to answer your question though i mean i if the opportunity arose to do other things i'd be more than happy to do it um i don't um i don't want to walk away entirely from sonic ever because i just i'm a, I'm a genuine fan of sonic the hedgehog and I've, I've enjoyed the work that i do on those books and i i obviously enjoy being associated with it it's been good for me in my career you know um so yeah i i have i owe a lot to it and i wouldn't i, I wouldn't walk away from it um deliberately totally uh but i also yeah like this past year i haven't really done a whole lot on it you know, I've been a little bit tired and burnt out, partly due to COVID stuff, I guess, but also just from having done the same thing for so long. Uh, you know, I'm not 25 anymore. <laughs> I just turned 40, <laughs> 42 the other day. You know, part of my, you know, a big thing was I used to be um, known as the guy who was really fast and reliable. And that's important in the comics business, but I'm not as fast as I used to be at all. You know, it takes me a lot longer to do this work. Uh, when I was younger, I used to stay up every night, you know, work all night long. I would for like, like I said before, when I was doing those Nate and Steve books and writing shotgun and stuff and all the way up, you know, until I got the Sonic gig. And then for several years after that, you know, um, I got married right when I started working on Sonic and then we had, we adopted three kids and then we had a kid of our own and then a couple of years later, another one. So I was very busy <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and a lot of the time, the only time I would have to work was at night. So, you know, I've gotten used to for many years working all day long and all night long, sleeping two or four hours a night. I just can't do that anymore. Right. I just don't have that energy anymore. It's not healthy anyway. Shouldn't have done <laughs> it to begin with. Yeah. So I, since I'm not as fast and reliable as I was, I kind of stepped back a little bit from Sonic because I knew I couldn't keep up with the deadlines at the time. Um, what was it in 2019? We also, we had some foster kids and that was difficult. And then of course, 2020 rolled around and then the pandemic thing and all that. Um, so it's just been a lot the last couple of years, it's been difficult. Um, I'm grateful to uh, Dave, uh, Marriott and, Everyone at IDW, they you know they let me continue doing the work. I've been doing you know I've done a couple of covers in the last year, and I just did issue number forty two, and I'm about almost finished <laughs> um, issue forty four. I'm working on it. I'm I'm way behind, you know. <laughs> Maybe not that badly. I guess it seems to be going okay. It's I'm you know I, I've fallen behind the the initial deadline, but I, there's always a little bit of leeway in there, you know. But still, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm I was happy to. I was okay with stepping away from it this last year a little bit. I know there's obviously plenty of other 
incredibly talented artists out there who deserve the chance to work on the book and are, are you know, uh, are happy to do it. You know, there's Adam Bryce Thomas, who's amazing. Uh, Evan Stanley, who's incredible. She's so good. Um, jealous of her skill and her, her artistry. I like, really love the way she rendered the characters and stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's, the, the Sonic book is in good hands. If I'm not around, it's, it's not like I'm, you know, the end all be all of Sonic or anything. So uh, I also, you know, in the last couple of years, I did those two five issue miniseries with Archie, uh, the Cosmo books, um, which was a kind of a brainchild of Vincent uh, Lavallo, the editor there at Arch uh, Archie, who was my editor on Sonic for the last few years of it. He uh, had the idea to revamp Cosmo, the Merry Martian, who was a pretty obscure character from the 1950s in Archie's back catalog. And, uh, you know, Ian wrote the story and Matt did the colors and all that stuff. Same team. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed working on those Cosmo books because uh, basically, aside from the main characters who Vin designed, you know, I got to come up with all the ships and the aliens and the locations and things. It was basically, you know, for most intents and purposes, it was my own book creatively. And that was a lot of fun. It was really, really great to be able to design all that stuff as a alarm. <laughs> Yeah, I even have uh, sonic sounds on my alarms. So, um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I use that boing boing sound because it's really it's really annoying. So it makes me <laughs> notice it and want to turn it off quickly. So, um, um, but yeah, the the Cosmo books are a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I'd be I would be more than happy to, to to step back onto that if they ever did another mini series of that. Uh, and I was going to say that uh, yeah, like I said, Cosmo was great because it was very free creatively i was able to do a lot of my own stuff on that that i wanted to do uh and i if i were to have any complaint or um you know observation i guess about idw sonic is that sega is a lot more uh particular than they used to be about the specific visuals you know they're really really particular about the character models and all kinds of little details and things which is fine it's perfectly fine it's their it's their property they you know they should have a say in what it looks like and all that, you know, right. but back in, back in the Archie days, it was a lot looser. You know, we came up with all kinds of wacky, crazy stuff. You know, like I said, I've known for, I used to draw Sonic's the soles of his shoes differently just because I thought it'd be cool and nobody ever said anything, but yeah, nowadays you couldn't get away with that kind of stuff. So it's still fun. It's not as much fun as it used to be, <laughs> in that regard, you know, I got to be a lot more careful about how I draw everything. So that's, uh, well, that, that's cool. I mean, it's really awesome that like you not only, uh, you know, draw him for a living, but that you also really like the character, right? Because it it is reflected in your artwork and just with anything in life, right? If you're passionate about whatever it is that you're doing and especially the cause behind it, then, I mean, you usually have an amazing deliverable right after that. So really, really sure. cool stuff. So yeah. I know our fellow artist actually here, Grace, has a question or two. Um, I I loved hearing your story, how you started out from your art and up to where you are now. It's very, very inspiring. And I do have a question, like what like got you to the motivation of like starting to do like sonic artwork and stuff? Um, well, just uh, like in terms of motivation in general, you know, when I was younger, I think, uh, whatever, well, for whatever reason it was, I think I had some sort of desire, some sort of 
drive to prove that I could do it, you know, um, just art in general, comics or whatever, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be known, I guess I wanted to know I would, that I wanted to have people understand that I could do the artwork and that I was, you know, uh, which I guess is vain, I suppose, in a way, but I don't know. I don't think anybody who performs or, uh, or does artwork publicly, you know, I think that's kind of a component that you almost have to have some sort of desire to prove yourself, I guess, but, um, which not to uh, digress too much, but I think that's part of the reason that I'm not as fast and I'm not as, um, uh, fired up about it as I used it to be, because, you know, I do have that now. I, I have recognition that people know, you know, I've Sonic fan, Sonic fandom at the very least, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's not that desire to prove that I can do it. I, I know that I can do it now. So. And everybody uh, knows that too. <laughs> well, and I, I, yeah, not to sound uh, arrogant or anything. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful. And I, I hope, I hope that I come across um, as humble uh, because I'm, I, I'm very super grateful for what I have and where I am. And I know that it's, uh, you know, astronomically um, strange <laughs> that, that I've been given this opportunity that I have all, all the people on the planet that I've gotten to do this for so long. Uh, so I'm, I'm super um, grateful for that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like what motivated me to do Sonic art? I just liked Sonic. I thought he was cool. You know, like I said, in 1991, uh, that Christmas, uh, my brother got the Genesis set with Sonic 1 packed in. And uh, I just played the heck out of that game. <laughs> as soon as uh, Sonic 2 was out, I begged my dad to get that for me for, for the next Christmas. And I got that. And I uh, said, my, my favorite story about that game is because uh, I, I played it so often. Um, I got to the point where I memorized the special stages so well that I could you know, go through, get 50 rings, get a star post, get an emerald. And then, because the, the rings reset, um, within the first two stages, uh, Emerald Hill Zone, I could get all seven Chaos Emeralds just in the first two zones. At, <laughs> at one point, I, could, I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I could. I, that was how much I played that game. And, of course, I saved up lunch money and stuff to get Sonic 3 and then Sonic Knuckles. And I even had Spinball. I got that for another Christmas. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's not a great game, but I thought it was fun. So yeah, I was a supersonic fan, uh, big nerd about that when I was a kid. So I just didn't, the character is fun to draw. He's cool looking. He's, you know, he's always doing something, you know, fun and interesting and energetic. You know, he's just fun to draw. Uh, people have asked me in the past, who's my favorite character to draw? And it's usually Sonic because he's always doing something that is fun to draw. Mm. You know, he's always moving. He's always kinetic, energetic. He's, he's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to to put it definitely um so i'm wondering um because I, i'm you know i'm not familiar with like the process and, and when you do the artwork like how it's all submitted but how has your uh, comic book uh artwork changed over the years in terms of the creation of it too right like did you do you still just do like paper art or is it now more digital or how how has that like uh, gone by and and i guess uh if you also now do digital how was that transition from like paper onto like tablet or you know onto like a electronic device mm, that's a good good question that's cool um 
like as far as like my like how the comic book general method if if anyone doesn't know your average um you know monthly comic book is produced usually by a team there's an editor who you know works with whatever company marvel dc archie whoever you know they get handed a particular assignment and they're usually it's their job to you know work up the team they look for the artists they hire the artists and the writer they usually work with the writer you know the editor will work closely with the writer to develop storylines uh usually you know like a i would guess like like a year of stories in a chunk you know they'll come up with a direction for the story to go and the are the writer will come up with uh, you know little quick outlines you know for the editor to review and then once those are approved, they'll go on and do the, the fuller scripts, you know, breakdowns and then the full script. Uh, and as soon as the, the scripts are approved, uh, they get sent to the artist, which when I was at Archie, Archie kind of did things a little more old fashioned. Whenever I started in 05, um, they still did all the, the work, you know, like the lettering on the paper, you know, they um, in the olden days comics you know the the lettering was always done on the boards the paper um so i used to be just the penciler uh, except for covers on a lot of covers i would do my own pencils and inks and occasionally colors too but usually with archie i was mostly just the penciler so i would do i would get the scripts and i would you know i'd read it and uh, i would take um like what i would do they'll call thumbnail drawings just really quick super sketchy little drawings of each page to kind of work out, block out where I wanted the panels to to be, how big they needed to be, and uh, the the, uh, the layout of them. And then I would uh, take that and I would sit down on the paper and I would work really loosely with my pencil, just kind of blocking out the basic shapes of the characters and the panel shapes and all that stuff, and kind of reworking how big I wanted them to be. And I would always, it's important to. Um, to leave room for the word balloons so i would always just really lightly sketch out the the words where i thought the word balloon should go and i would just draw a circle there and i'd say you know to myself don't put anything in that anything important in that area so that way i knew that the letterer would always have plenty of room to do their part later so i would do the super sketchy drawing and then i would go in and tighten up the pencils until i had a final page and so i would do that and I would usually like, you know, batches of five or 10 pages I would mail off to the inker so they could get started on their part. And that was generally usually, uh, usually the Jim Amish. And, uh, then later on, Terry Austin came on when I was doing the Sonic X book, he came on later in that book. And, uh, eventually he moved over to the Sonic universe and Sonic the Hedgehog books. So Jim and Terry were my two inkers and, uh, both really good guys, you know, uh, really different styles. Jim had a, 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 a brush style. He would use brushes, so a lot of line weight variation and stuff. Very more of a old school kind of animation uh, look to it. Uh, old school cartoony look. And G uh, Terry had more of a, a tech pen kind of uh, tighter, crisper lines. A lot of broken lines that didn't connect up. Which I kind of I like Terry's work. I think kind of reflected more um naturally uh it was it matched up a little bit more naturally with the way that i draw so with I, my own inking i generally kind of just stole terry's style a lot of it <laughs> for a lot of it not all of it he's pretty he's he's amazing and he's hard to mimic entirely but uh 
a lot of what I do comes from what he did. Uh, and if I might go out on a limb to say so, I think that's kind of translated into uh, Evan Stanley's inking a lot too. I see that maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it, it seems to me that that's the case. A very similar kind of style to Terry's, uh, which is never a bad thing. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I would send my stuff to them. And then they would they would finish their work and it would get sent to the colorist. You know, we could scan and colored. And then uh, um, he said, eventually, Archie did go to all digital lettering. But for the first five years or so, uh, all the letters were done on the pages, which a lot of collectors like that. You know, when they would buy an original page, they'd like to have lettering on the page, which I understand. It's, it's cool. It's more of a finished final uh, full product that way. But progress and time marches on, so digital is quicker and easier in, in some respects. So, um, and speaking of that, yeah, like whenever I moved over to uh, after um, uh, IDW started, well, actually with Cosmo, um, that was I did the first set of Cosmo I think before IDW began Sonic. So um, I invested in an iPad Pro. That's what I currently work on. I've had it for about three years now, I guess. And uh, it works really well for me. Um, there's tons of different programs on it that you can use. Apps, I guess you'd call them, whatever. Procreate, Photoshop, and various things. I use a cheap $20 app called uh, Comic Draw. It's like I, a friend of mine, Alex Ogle, who uh, does some um, like trading card art and stuff for Marvel and, and various other things. He's got a really cool black and white, um, very graphic-looking art style. He, he found that app and he showed it to me and I, I thought it was really great. It is very simple. It's very, um, it's not, um, it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles like Clip Studio or things where you can do virtually anything with Clip Studio. Uh, I don't need all that. It'd be cool to take the time to learn it, but I don't really have the time. <laughs> so, the, um, um, you know, Comic Draw is what I use. It's very, it's, it's like Photoshop, you know, it has layers. You do a pencil layer and then um, there's inking layer and then there's a layer where you can do, um, lettering and stuff, which I don't usually use. And you can use multiple layers on each, of course, um, which is cool. That's where a big difference comes in with, uh, the physical versus digital art, uh, physical art, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's something, it's just really different. It's a different feel to it. Um, but, you know, of course, anything you, any mistake or change you need to make, of course, you got to erase the whole thing and redraw it. So with digital, um, yeah, I, uh, to digress just a little bit, like with the comic draw I happen, I'm sure any other, there's all kinds of different brushes you can use, right? So I, with the pencil, it's very, feels very natural. And when I did some research on um, art tablets, I picked the iPad because from the little videos I saw, this stylus looked like it felt very natural to draw with and i would say that it, it does specifically the penciling feels to me very similar to working with an actual pencil there's not a lot of difference um uh it just it reacts very similarly and um you know it, it's pressure sensitive of course so the harder you push the darker things get and things like that just like a real uh you know real tool would um, with the inking brushes, of course, you know, there's all kinds of different settings to change things around in terms of pressure, sensitivity, and this, that, and the other. 
but I, you know, I just kind of fiddled with it for a while until I found one that, uh, you know, I found some settings that mimicked my preferred inking tools, which is usually like those micron pens, which is not really a great inking tool, but um, again, with digital, I can make the thing as, as big and thick as I need to or whatever and change it on the fly. And I can just tap a button to fill in big black areas. So um, yeah, the speed with which you can ink uh, is, is really a lot faster. Uh, Cause also you don't have to be super careful when you're inking digitally, when you're inking on paper, you gotta be very careful not right. to make a lot of mistakes. And of course, if you do, you can always wipe things out, but you don't want to do that too much. You're going to have a big mess when you're inking digitally. If you just make a mistake, you just tap the back button or you just erase <laughs> it. You know, you can erase digital ink just like anything else. So that's pretty cool. And of course with layers, you know, there's, you can layer things on top of each other and reshape and resize. And there's also, it's kind of a double-edged sword because I can pencil a lot looser when I'm doing my own inks digitally, right? I don't have to be as tight and clean with the pencils if somebody else isn't going to be working on it because I know what I want the inks to look like. So instead of doing the finished, uh, tighter, cleaner pencils, I can just do loose pencils and then do the tightening up and finishing in the ink stage. So it used to take me like four or five, six hours to do a page in pencil on paper for the Archie Sonic books. And now... If I'm doing a pencil landing page digitally, it's probably, you know, six, eight, nine or so hours, maybe. I don't know. Depends on the page. But that usually gets me a finished inked page. And then I can just email straight to the to the, um, the editor or whoever. So, you know, it might take me a little longer to do a page digitally, but it's finished. And it doesn't need any scanning doesn't need to be cleaned up in the computer or anything like that because like when i would used to do covers physically with ink i'd have to scan them and clean up the covers it just looked terrible if you zoomed in on it you know so um yeah there's a lot of benefits you know and there's some downsides too like i said I, it um with all these layers and options and stuff there's so many things that you can do uh with the digital you kind of start oh i can make this look like this and you know you get a little bit bogged down and doing too much detail or too much uh, cool stuff. So you got to keep it simple. I keep myself to just a couple different brushes. So I don't do a bunch of crazy effects and things that don't need to be there. So, um, and lastly, in terms of like the development, you know, the, the evolution of my art, you know, I see back when I was doing the early Archie's books, uh, you know, it was a lot sloppier, I'd say, <laughs> you know, I, character models weren't usually particularly on model um you know but there was also um a certain um liveliness and kinetic energy to those lines and those characters and things that i kind of lack a little bit now i think my work is a little more, more stiff in general although you know i look back at some of it and i was like yeah that's pretty good you know so my newer stuff is good. So my older stuff is good for different reasons. So yeah, my work has just changed and evolved over time, uh, which is, it's always going to happen. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely did. And, and, you know, it's always really interesting to get some insights on how that transition was right. And, and how easy it was to adopt the new technology because 
of course, uh, nothing but benefits from being able to be more productive with uh, with that tablet. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been a, bit, a really big help in terms of productivity and how quickly I can turn things around, particularly with covers, being able to do colors and things uh, on a tablet and draw the shapes and the colors. Like I used to like take things into Photoshop and build all my shapes with mouse, click, 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 and it took me forever. So now I can just draw a shape and there, boom, there it is, uh, and fill it with color. Um, and yeah, like it, did, it took me maybe two or three weeks to really play with the iPad and get used to it you know, um, before I started working on actual pages on it, I did a lot of experiments and things with it, but it's just another, another tool. You know, I tell people, I was like, you know, digital or physical, it just depends on your preference. They're just tools. You know, you just have to learn how to use each one. And that's a big benefit of going to art school or just working with art, uh, traditionally beforehand is, you know, learning to use different tools and techniques uh, you know, and training your hand to do that muscle memory and make those lines every time and, and repeat the same and get the same results that you want. Cause then when you pick up a new tool, like the iPad or whatever, it takes a little time to use to, but you know, you're still just picking up a new different art tool. You're still using the same techniques and things. So, you know, it didn't take me terribly long to, to get used to working digitally, but I look back at like the, or the first, those first five issues of Cosmo they're a little bit rough, you know, uh, in my opinion, compared to some of the other stuff I've done digitally. Cause again, I was just kind of learning as I went. So, uh, out of all the Sonic uh, comic books you've done, uh, what has been your favorite one? Which one's the one that like is the one you've enjoyed working on the most? Mm. Usually my answer to that, and it still is, uh, mostly is, um, the order from chaos storyline that was pretty early in my run on Sonic. Archie. Uh, it was like issues 168, 169, I think. And it was a story where Ian had written this thing about uh, Tommy the Turtle was taken over by the Atom program or whatever. And that he used, what did he do? He had some sort of tower that summoned all the Chaos Emeralds from around the universe because in the old Archie books, there were Chaos Emeralds all over the place and there were tons and tons of them, right? So Ian's one of Ian's jobs <laughs> he had set for himself was to like uh, line things up in the comics more closely to the games, right? So uh, the point of that story was to to smash all the Chaos Emeralds into just seven emeralds like they were in the games, and they were sent to the special zone. And um, that issue had Supersonic and had Super Shadow and had um, what is Super Tails? What is his name? I don't know. Hyper Tails or I don't I'm not sure what he's called. I forget. But he has the little flickies flying around him or whatever. <laughs> in the Archie comics, he had a cape as Super Tails. So anyway, that was really cool to draw those characters and stuff. And it was a pretty epic story. And I think with that, those two particular issues, I'd only drawn about six or so before that. Uh, but I really kind of hit my stride with that particular story. And I got some good advice from Jim Amish about putting more spot blacks in there and, uh, you know, having a lot more dynamic look to the pages. So yeah, that's one of my, that's one of my favorites for sure. And then I think with the newer stuff, um, those, um, the issues with, uh, the big, uh, Neo metal Sonic dragon thing, <laughs> master <laughs> overlord. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty cool too. Those are really hard to draw. Cause there's like, you know, Angel Island is flying and there's giant wings with all kinds of 
Sonic Heroes ships on them. And there's no way I could have drawn that issue without digital because I copied <laughs> and pasted a lot of those ships and stuff and resized them and all that instead of having to redraw every single one of them. And, uh, but that was really cool. I had a blaze in there and all kinds of stuff. That was really awesome. It was a fun issue to draw. There's really some really cool action stuff going on in that. So, all right. Now, now that you were mentioning a little before, uh, that, that you like drawing this and making this, um, this, um, episode it's this oh my god these issues i'm sorry <laughs> uh, and you felt that they have some kind of the video game vibes i have to add the question that would pretty much ask anyone who's coming to to this episode what would you say is your favorite game and your favorite level on the sonic franchise as you were a big sonic fan why that's a tough one favorite <laughs> I usually like nostalgically. I like Sonic 2 is one of my favorites because like I said I just played that one probably the most. It was a pretty epic game, but I I can I can say objectively that Sonic 3 and Knuckles is the best one. You know, it's it's oh. it's just a really it's a really great game overall. It's got some you know super classic levels and it's it's really fun and you can save. So yeah, <laughs> there's not a real slog to get through. Uh yeah, it's a fantastic, you know, Sonic 3 and Knuckles is pretty hard to beat um but i also really like um i would probably say sonic adventure 2 is also one of my my very favorites mm. yeah nice. it's it's pretty cheesy it's pretty corny i know that it is <laughs> and i haven't gone back and played it since i don't know like 2002 i think was the last time i might have played it i don't know but uh yeah i have a lot of good memories of that uh right after scad my roommate <laughs> uh justin treadway one of my roommates we uh we went out and we, we split the cost of a dreamcast and sonic adventure one and two <laughs> <laughs> so we both sat down we you know like i think i had already played sonic adventure one so he played that one and then i played through uh adventure two and uh yeah it was a really good time <laughs> nice nice grace do you have something yeah so um I I own like probably like three of the Archie comics that you've drawn cover arts for. How long like did it take to do for like just like a, the cover itself? That depends. Uh, a lot of times the covers probably go pretty quick. Some a lot of times they're usually um, just a one big shot of like characters or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would say that I usually pump out the covers a bit quicker then um the the pages uh specific definitely if i'm just doing the pencils and or inks uh, i can usually bang out a cover in like a day or two um like i don't remember it depends on how many hours you're talking i don't know not much more than a page usually five six seven eight hours um colors generally would take me a bit longer again because i used to work pretty slowly doing colors it's not my not like my real my big thing to do colors so i enjoy it but i'm not fast at it um but just the the, the process with the cover is all uh you know i'll get like the the script breakdowns usually the cover has to be done way ahead of the comic book right so uh for solicitations to come out early um so i'll get like the breakdowns of the script the general story beats and I'll come up with some ideas, you know, I'll try to come up with at least four or five ideas, you know, just quick, basic thumbnail drawings of what the cover might be. 
and then I'll email them to the editor and they'll will decide on what looks coolest. And then I'll take one of those and I'll run with it and I'll work up a, um, you know, a tighter sketch. And if they have any other input on that, the editor will let me know. And then I'll go to the pencils and do the pencils and then get approval on that and then do the inks. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit more of a drawn out process than a normal page, but in terms of like the actual production time, how long it takes me to draw it, it's not really any longer than a usual page. So, you know, that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's hard to say exactly how long it, it really very greatly depends on what is on the cover. Cause sometimes they're pretty complicated and sometimes they're really simple. So. Cool. Well, uh, Pedro, Grace, you guys have any more questions or are you guys good? Um, I do have one more. Okay. This question just came to my mind as I was like, oh, I should totally ask this question. What, what it was um, like, what are your favorite Sonic memories? Like your favorite memories with Sonic that you've experienced since you've been a fan? Oh man. That's like a lot. Um, well, like I said, yeah, just playing through uh, like Sonic Adventure one and two with my friends those are really good memories. Um, uh, cause I re I definitely recall the first time that I played adventure one, uh, at my buddy's house who had a dreamcast and I was playing through that game and it's just so different. Like I think they were getting a little annoyed with me because every time something would happen, some little set piece would go on and I'd be like, this is weird. I just go, <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> uh, it's just strange to play Sonic in, in a three dimensional uh, format like that so new and different um yeah a good memory another one like i had a really great memory from scad is it is <laughs> i always laugh about you know people having an argument about going outside and playing versus people being stuck in the house playing games but like in my dorm room is a bright sunny gorgeous day outside and i had the door open to the dorm room but me and my friends were playing we had a, a super nintendo hooked up and a sega genesis and so we were we, you know spent the day playing like Super Mario World, and then we played some Sonic 2 and stuff. It was great. It was really, really fun just to sit and play those games uh, with some friends. And, um, you know, of course, just uh, being able to, you know, for me personally about, you know, the Sonic um, as a whole in my personal career, you know, being able to go to conventions and stuff. Uh, just like in 2019, I was like invited to some some shows I forget the company. They had a couple of shows like in Tampa and Detroit and they flew me there and I, they put me in a hotel and all. I was like, I felt like a rock star. It was really, really nice. You know, I'm, I'm you know, so grateful to have those opportunities to do this, you know, because of Sonic. I mean, you know, this, I, I don't make any bones about it. I mean, I'm, my career is Sonic the Hedgehog comics and that's what I'm known for. And that's what people want to see. So, uh, you know, there are other things I would like to do, but I'm more than happy to continue doing Sonic as long as I can. That's what puts, uh, you know, puts uh, the food on the table, so to speak. <laughs> uh, although, again, to digress, I will say you don't make a lot of money doing this. Uh, my wife's a teacher. She has always made a lot more money than I have. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, money isn't kind of the point of doing this job. It's I do it because I enjoy it. It allows me a lot of freedom, you know, to, I'm at home, I work at home. So I, I do the running around with kids and doctors and things like that, you know, and errands and cooking and cleaning and stuff. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I could still do what I enjoy to do and get paid for it. So that's pretty awesome. 
Uh, and like one of the cool things, yeah, like in 2011, uh, I was invited to uh, Summer of Sonic in, in London by some awesome people over there. And that was just fantastic to be able to go do that, you know, and uh, do drawings for people. And I got to do like a trivia thing on the stage. And yeah, it was really neat, you know, to see all the, the cosplayers and stuff over there and meet all those people. It was fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, some, yeah, great, great memories with games great memories with uh you know conventions and comics and <laughs> i do as i was at that sonic boom thing in 2014 in new york city that was a great that was a great um i mean i'll leave you with this story here uh, if, unless you have anything else after that of course i'll be happy to answer that but a good it's a good story uh and i don't think i've ever really told it quite in full um publicly i don't think but i that was in uh, 2014 and i knew the sonic boom was coming out and I had seen, I think on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere that the show was coming up in New York city in, in 2014. And, uh, so I just kind of reached out to, um, I think it must've been on Facebook because I think the, uh, you know, whatever PR liaison with Sega of America at the time, I can't recall her name now, but she was on the Facebook or something. So I had her contact through that. So I emailed her and I said, um, do you, would you mind if I came up to the show and had a table? and sold artwork, you know, and did drawings and stuff. Um, I didn't know what else they would have. Um, it didn't say anything about a lot of other merchandise or anything. And sure enough, there wasn't, you'd think there, there really wasn't any merchandise there. I think the other the voice actors and stuff were doing autographs and things. Right. I think for money, but uh, you know, there's a little kiosks there where they were showing off the Sonic boom games for the Wii U and uh, 3DS and uh so um you know she said yeah come on up so i i booked myself a flight and and um and just um went up there for the day i got there the day of and um i brought along a suitcase with you know packed with whatever comics i had and a big stack of paper and i had printed out some um uh, some some posters about uh 20 or 30 or so copies of this poster exclusive for the show you know uh, one time only you know thing uh, collector's item sort of thing so uh some sonic boom art and i brought all that stuff and i sat there they had, me, they had me a table there and it was really cool they had all the you know the stage with the big um statues of the sonic boom characters and uh you know they had a a voice a reading with the, the voice cast where they read some scenes from the show and um you know the guys came out and uh, played the the this, the music, you know, they had like a kind of a small concert, sonic music, and all that stuff. It was really really awesome. And but I was like literally the only person there selling anything. <laughs> <laughs> so like I had this line, this massive long line the entire time. It was only a four hour show, um, but it ran about five hours. They like I said, they let it go a little longer than um, or whatever. It started early or something. I can't. It was about five hours, right? So I was basically drawing that entire time, drawing uh, sketches for people. And uh, I sold every single comic book that I brought with me in my short comic box. And I sold all the posters. And um, uh, it's really funny. When I, when, I, when I signed up with the venue, um, there's this guy there. Um, uh, there's an agreement that I signed, I think, online beforehand where they, they said, like, um, for me to to sell stuff at the venue, they had to take like a 20 or 25% cut, some ridiculous, huge amount. And I was like, ah, okay, well, you know, it's worth it. 
to, to give him that cut. I don't know how much I'll make. And when I got there, um, this guy, this old dude in a suit who had to have been a mafioso of some sort, this old Italian guy with a, you know, a black suit and he had the thick New York accent, you know, uh, he, 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 if he was not part of the mob, I I've never seen a mobster in my life then because he, <laughs> he really gave off that vibe. But anyway, uh, he was like impressed upon me the importance of making sure that I gave him the cut <laughs> of the money that I made at the show. And uh, so I sat there and did my thing. And, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, it's, almost, it's almost embarrassing to, to tell you how much I made. In five hours, I made a little over $3,000 at that show <laughs> wow. because like I said, I was the only person selling anything and I sold everything that I had and didn't get this the entire time. And so, um, I've, I've, like after they took their cut, I walked out of there with $2,800 in cash in my pocket. Cause they didn't, couldn't take credit cards or anything. There's like no Wi-Fi signal or anything like that. You know? So, uh, so yeah, I was walking around New York city at like two in the morning <laughs> <laughs> this giant lot of cash in my pocket right so uh yeah my flight was booked for the very next like the earliest flight the next morning so i just went to the airport slept in the airport got on the airplane the next morning and went home so <laughs> that was a that was a pretty interesting uh experience yeah good it, it really funny well, wow were you nervous when you were walking yeah. whatever oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I just tried to play it cool, you know, like, no, I don't have a big wad of cash in my pocket. No, no. <laughs> oh my Did anybody see it in the airport? Because, you know, how they, you know, usually have to go through. No, and that, that was no <laughs> I had, I, luckily I had on, some, uh, <laughs> I had on cargo, cargo pants. So I had the big pockets. I didn't have to, I didn't have to empty those out. So. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, I just kind of assumed there'd be a bank or something downtown, you know, where I could deposit the money, but there, there really wasn't. There weren't any banks, and everything was closed. So I was like, well, I guess I just got to carry this money around. So. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't just... think Yeah, I don't think there'll ever be in a, uh, a show quite like that one again. So. I'm just imagining uh, how it would be like if, if they were to see it in the airport, right? And they, you know, they make you put stuff in that little, uh, uh, like bucket thing tray. and then the trade yeah. <laughs> and then you actually say all right you know here's all the all the money and worst of all it's all like 20s right it's like all right it's gonna be a while i'm sorry everyone <laughs> behind me but you're gonna be here a while <laughs> no yeah yeah it was pretty wild awesome well yeah. interesting story you know we really enjoyed hearing all, all the things that you've told us i mean it's been really uh amazing hearing all those things and like i said earlier just hearing that you're also a fellow fan is I think really amazing, right? The kind of thing that uh, we like to see anybody who is a celebrity in our world to uh, be able to also and enjoy it as much as, as we do. And, and also show to everyone, right, that you're human as well, right? And you also enjoy the things that the fan base enjoys. So you're, you're with the, the fan, you're ba basically in the fan base as well, right? Is, is really awesome. Right, yeah. Too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the new Sonic Colors Ultimate. You know, I, I enjoy playing the games and seeing the, you know, the animations that they come out with and all that cool stuff. And, you know, I like to, I like to see the artwork that the other artists come up with too. So it's, it's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking forward to 
that game. I have it on pre-order too. I think most of the people here on, on our team have it as well. And we're really, we're excited for a game, right? Because it's been way too long <laughs> since yeah. we've had anything. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today. Again, we really appreciate it. And, you know, looking forward to your future projects. And I know you have a couple of pages that you have on the 30th anniversary uh, comic book as well. So uh, I actually just bought my copy. So I can't wait to to see those uh, pages. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, last plug for IDW, if you, uh, August, what is it? 14th, I think, or the 16th, I forget, uh, free comic book day, of course, you know, if you got a local comic shop, you can go out. I did the cover for that. And there's really cool, uh, new story inside. Um, so that's something to pick up if you, if you can get to your local shop. Oh, brand brand new Sonic free comic book day issue. That, that's awesome we actually we talked about it um a couple of i think like a, two months ago here and, and we were looking at the covers and they are really amazing i gotta say like it's it really well worthy of the 30th anniversary comic book and especially on a free comic book day where you know more people are, are going to be able to get that issue uh hopefully if they if they get early to their comic book shops right because i know some can get really packed so yeah be sure yeah. to be early <laughs> awesome pick one up well, again, thank you so much. We really uh, appreciate it. It's been a blast having you on. Fantastic. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again to Tracy. It was amazing having him on the show. I mean, all the stories he told us, like, like I mentioned earlier, right? Like he answered more than the questions we had, which is uh, really, really cool. And uh, we we got to learn a lot about that. And hopefully everyone uh, who is a Sonic artist, or even if you're not a Sonic artist, if you're just listening because you're a fan of his work and uh, you know you want to learn more about uh, what it's like to be a comic book artist and perhaps you want to follow his footsteps and, and do your own artwork and, and comic books in the future, I think got really inspired from his story and uh, all that too. And, and like I said, amazing that he's also a fan. He's also part of our community, not just through the work he does, but also through enjoying the video games and TV shows and everything else, right? That until Sonic the Hedgehog. So cool stuff. But I'm interested in hearing some quick thoughts uh, of you two today. First, uh, let's go with Grace. Uh, I know you were really excited for this episode. And like I said, I'm really glad it worked out perfectly. You were able to join this one and that it was your first episode. So what were your thoughts? Well, I really, I enjoyed um not only talking to Tracy but just hearing how he started and how he where he is right now like working on uh from Archie to IDW and then how he's just like created inspiring so many artists around the world like Sonic fans and not Sonic fans he's just a big inspiration for a lot of people because he puts so much hard work into all the stuff he does Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's it's no easy feat to be able to say, right, that you went from Archie Comics to IDW Publishing to, you know, all, all these different comics that he's done and, and to do it for so long and to have all these different opportunities, right, and doing different um, special issues and going to conferences like he mentioned and all that. So mm-hmm. r- really amazing, right, how far uh, he's gone and, and living the dream, right, is pretty much what, yeah. what he's doing now so really cool stuff uh, how about you pedro what are your thoughts i i really like the 
that I, he expressed of himself a sonic nerd and he enjoyed playing all that with his roommates or, uh, when he was younger. And he's not only living the dream. In, in this point, I feel we're living the dream as well because we have the opportunity to meet him and to great hear these great stories, especially the one in New York. Like, <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, life is crazy. Life is good. And I, if we, all our guests are going to be like this, that they read the the question that I have in my mind before I ask them, oh, please go for it. <laughs> I was like, yes, here. Okay. He already answered this. I'm going to go to the next one. Oh, he's answering already that. So perfect. <laughs> it was cool. It was so cool. That That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a first, like I got to say too. And I think it's a first, honestly, in all the podcasts that I have, as you all know, right. I have a, uh, five ongoing podcasts with uh, Zone. Oh, yeah and counting more to more to <laughs> more to come i don't know where i find the time to start all these but i i guess i just want to talk to the whole world but <laughs> um yeah i mean it's it's really cool i mean that like he did that and yeah i mean I, i'm sure everyone enjoyed all that hearing all that stuff and people are probably listening right now thinking you know what if i could have asked the question he answered it too Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's amazing i mean when when that happens and when you get so much content right out of like all the things that he mentioned so really cool stuff and you know possibly in the future we might have him on a live show as well so be on the lookout for that uh, especially if you really enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy other tag chats In the future, we might start doing some that are going to be uh, live show exclusive. So uh, on that note, actually, it's just one more reason to follow us on our social media. If you're not already following us, you can find us at the Hedgehog Zone on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, if you are a Discord user, you can go out uh, on our Facebook and Twitter, look at our pinned post, and you'll be able to find a link there, um, an invitation link to anyone who would like to join our Discord server. Um, I'm seeing more people join every time I go back on there. Really awesome. We have different channels on there. And basically everyone uh, on our podcast team is on there. So if you have any comments you want to tell anyone on the team, there's probably your best spot to do it because everyone's on there. So you can send them a message. Or hey, if you want to become friends with them, you can add them as a friend on Discord as well. So... <laughs> there's that too part of the the gustavo tribe who's always welcoming more people oh yeah there's a gustavo tribe channel among other things there too so yeah all the things that you hear on our podcast we we're trying to make channels for and, and all that so <laughs> you have a place to uh talk about anything that we discuss on on the show or any characters that we talk about or you know again Gustavo Tribe, any uh, teams that are from the show, all that stuff, <laughs> you can find it on there and and choose your side, right? Are you Gustavo Tribe or are you a Kidna Tribe? And that's the biggest oh. question. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, again, as I said earlier, this has been really great. Again, this is the first time that we have two co-hosts, or I should say three, I'm, I'm not even counting myself right now, uh, that are on a THD chats. And, and I'm really glad both of you joined. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on last minute. Um, as Again, originally, we were going to have Houston on here. Don't worry, 
I, I know everyone enjoys listening to Houston as well and uh, all that. He he will be back uh, in a future episode. Or will uh, he? Oh. Oh. <laughs> we never know. What was he? But yeah, he's going to be like, oh, you're trying to bite at Pedro. It's this show now. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's been really awesome thank you so much grace again welcome to the team uh i'm really glad you decided to join our team that's really great you know we really enjoyed having you on the live shows and now now you will no longer be just a special guest but now you'll actually be a team member on the live shows and on the podcast as well so yeah welcome again yes thank you (laughs) Awesome. And thank you also to everyone who listens to our show, watches the live shows. It's really amazing. I mean, we are all super thankful, super appreciative of all the listens that we get. We're always taking a look at them. So don't think we're not like looking at those uh, analytics as they uh, are updated each day. And it's it's just amazing how much support uh, we've been getting since we started this podcast uh, back in early November and uh, how much live show uh, views we've gotten since, again, we started the live show since uh, February as well. So been really amazing. We're uh, working on getting you more THG chats as well, along with your favorite uh, usual episode recordings. But uh, you are going to be listening to me more on the THG chats than on the actual episodes, unfortunately, because uh, life gets a little busy and I can't always make that time now, unfortunately. But TG chats. I'm always going to be on here for the most part, um, unless I pull Houston and I can't show up one time, which hopefully not. But, <laughs> but yeah, because we don't know if Houston is coming back for the TH. <laughs> yeah. hmm. <Ooh. laughs> we'll find out uh, in the next one. Which, speaking of the next one, uh, I do know who it's going to be with. We haven't recorded as of this recording yet. Um, but just to give you guys all a teaser, because I want to just randomly uh, pull a, uh, what is it, Marvel DC, right? Wait after the credits kind of thing. But I won't make you all wait until our music's over because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of people might just like close the episode after the song starts playing <laughs> or after, you know, our voices stop and the song just keeps going. Um, but it is going to be someone that, let me just tell you that, Anyone, I think, in the Sonic fan base probably knows this individual. Um, again, another celebrity in, in our world, uh, similar to how Tracy was as well. And so we're really excited to have someone else that, again, is, is known in the community and that is going to be surely sharing us how they got to where they're at and their favorite Sonic memories, uh, just the straight as he shared with us today. So be on the lookout for that. I think it might be posted a week from today, but it all really depends on when we get our usual episode up. Um, but, you know, that's that's coming shortly, too. So if it's not in the next episode, it's going to be the episode after that one. So be excited. It's going to be really cool. And again, we are working on even more interviews and getting even more people on the show. Uh, So if you are uh, someone who has a Sonic project of sorts, right, maybe you're doing a game or maybe you're doing your own comic book series, anything that you might have going on project wise, contact us and we'll try to get you on here as well, too, because we we're not just interviewing people who are a name, 
right just for like anyone in the sonic community but we are also interviewing people who are in the fan base and who have projects going on we want to hear about your project and we want to potentially have it here on the show as well so please send us a message if that's your case um and if you want to be on the live shows as well and you're just a, a fan who has something to share then please send us a message um and and you know we'll try to get you on a live show as well so um send us a message and we'll send you more details and, and see if you're able to to be on the show there cool well have a great night if you're listening at night or just have a great morning if you are just waking up and we will see you next week here on the hedgehog zone podcast buenas noches see ya <laughs>